Welcome to the Nebraska Hawk's Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. Give us a like and subscribe. Let's share this interview out all over the place, just like we want to with all of our Hawkeye legend interviews. How cool would it be to have the greatest podcast in Nebraska be one that's about the Hawkeyes? So let's get that out there right now. We are joined today by former Iowa Hawkeye Dominic Alvis. How's it going, man? It's great. Thanks for asking me on, Adam. Um, I got a lot of questions right off the bat just initially. That mustache is absolutely glorious. Um, I'm a little intimidated right now. There's like a, a, a sheen coming off of it. I mean, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> Tell me about the mustache, what the inspiration is behind that. And I, I think that there's a little bit of a backstory everyone needs to hear. I think all Iowa fans, you know, um, can appreciate a good mustache. Oh, yeah. I donned you know, one of the best, I would argue, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I belong to a fundraiser organization helps uh, poverty children in need uh, here in Omaha. It's called Mustache for Kids. And uh, during the month of May, we roll mustache. We raise as much money as we can in the hopes of achieving um, what's known amongst my testosterone laden constituents as Selleck uh, status after, okay. after Magnum PI heart of Tom Selleck. So um, raising awareness for that, that's what the stash resembles. But as Iowa fans, if we can't gather around, you know, a guy with, a, with, with some dirt on his upper lip, um, we, we can gather around helping out children. So um, more about that. I, I have a link if, if anyone wants to uh, help me out and, and help the, uh, a local charity out for a good cause. Okay, awesome. Now I got to tell you some dirt here. My mother-in-law loves Tom Selleck, so she comes and stays with us quite a bit and I got her a big like huge Magnum PI poster uh, and I put it up in her room and he's got the Hawaiian shirt on and the mustache is blowing oh. blowing in the wind and uh she's like I I might have to move in here immediately that that, <laughs> that that's her that's her guy like it's so, it, it, with Tom Selleck you know a, a man who just drips masculinity yeah. it's okay you know have a little man crush you know even as even as a guy I think so uh I, I totally uh. get it my knees buckle every time I see that mustache. I could never like, <laughs> I could never grow a mustache like that ever. I just, I kind of, I try tremble a little um, bit. Yours well, is pretty sweet though, too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about, uh, it's about two and a half weeks in. I'm, okay. uh, it's going to mature around probably week four, week five. Uh, but um, there is a Swedish stash award uh, for the best cookie duster. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> they give, uh, you know, an eight foot tall statue. But of nature, you know, you bet your ass. I'm, I'm going after that statue, the sweetest stash, and uh, in hopes I can raise a little money and, and have some fun too. So. I've never heard it called a cookie duster. That <laughs> is phenomenal. I'm totally stealing that. That's probably the best name for a mustache I've ever heard in my life. I got to keep it together. I about came unglued there. A cookie duster. Now, that's a pretty sweet T-shirt you have on there. Uh, we run on podcasts too, so we got to give a visual for all the people that can't see it too. Um, show us what it is and the story behind that, because so um, I was I was bestowed this wonderful gift, and I'll just I'll just hold it here. Bestowed this wonderful gift uh, by my good friend Drew Watt. If this is a if this is a Nebraska Hawks Nest uh, podcast, how can we not talk about Drew Watt? Okay, yeah. Um, so. It was, God, it was, it was, I think it was around Drew's senior year. I, I was, I was finished, but still a friend that came back to watch the games, to watch him. Um, it was, it was leading up to that. I'll pan back up that it was, it, it was the week of Iowa State. And if you're, if you play at Iowa, there's two games. Um, and, you know, especially growing up in Western Iowa, you got to win Iowa State and Nebraska, right? You got to yeah. win those games. So there's a lot of hype leading up to it. And, um, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday morning. Drew was 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 writing to go work out. Um, some, you know, some guy, you know, Drew was coming down the hill. He was coming up the hill. Sun was in his eyes, and uh, and took Drew out. Just flew him over the top of his car. <laughs> and uh, a lesser man might not have started that. Might might have showed up to the game, you know, and, and had a decent game. But but Drew not only showed up. I think he played. He started. Um, there was a lot of there's a rumor mill going around that it was uh you know I was assassin you know someone who was um, you know hired to do that but I, I think it was just a young young kid from Iowa City uh, but these shirts these this beard beard shirts were um, kind of what he's going for is his awesome beard and getting run over uh, by an assassin. So there there was a little bit of rumor going on there was an Iowa State assassin out there trying to take Drew out. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that's that's not true. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? It's it, 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 you know everything's kind of adding up here. You know what I mean? It's all it's all too coincidental. So uh, I think it's safe to say it's, it's logical. You just got to put the pieces of evidence together, and I mean it just takes <laughs> takes you down a specific path. And you know that's also too like I, I I'm gonna believe a guy that's got a mustache like that because most great cops and investigators have a legitimate mustache. So. Your instant credibility in my book. Yeah. yeah, this caterpillar grin won't steer you wrong. So, so you're living in um, Omaha right now, I believe. Tell us about how life in in um, living in Nebraska is, and what you're doing for work right now. Uh, life in Nebraska is great. I love living in Omaha with my wife Amelia um, and our two dogs. I've uh, I, I sell medical equipment, so surgical surgical video technology all around the Omaha area. Um, I've got a great client base and by great, I mean, uh, a lot of people are actually Iowa fans. It's actually skewing that way. Um, unfortunately I have to, I have to make good friends with, with our, uh, you know, our, our, a lot of Husker, a lot of Huskers over here, but I've, I've had a lot of success with that, you know, um, just being a, a fellow big 10 guy, you know, that's how I, that's how I frame it. Right. Um, but no, it's been a lot of fun. I work in surgery, um, with a lot of awesome surgeons around here. 
And uh, there's a, there's a lot of good banter that I have, but but uh, yeah, um, that's about it. So we always like to start, um, and we're kind of already through a little bit, a little chunk of this interview. But I was very much distracted by all the the visual treats that I was offered by Dominic with the mustache and the T-shirt. Um, coming out of high school with um, with your recruitment process, uh, tell us what what schools were after you, whether it be you know regardless of the level, um, what other schools are you considering? And what made you end up deciding to be a Hawkeye? So I was what, what you'd call under-recruited. I didn't play my sophomore year high school um, because I had shoulder surgery. Had an awesome junior year. And then my senior year, the fourth game in, I, uh, I broke my leg. And so <clears throat> I, had some, I had some good camps. I went to UNI. Coach Farley offered me a scholarship, um, you know, and, and – uh, you know, throughout the process, Iowa was there. We couldn't, I couldn't actually go to an Iowa camp because that was back in um, 08 when all that, that flooding happened. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you, even know if you could get access to Iowa City while they were trying to host us because it was all underwater. So I never went to Iowa's camp, but um, I had a lot of good recommendations from area coaches. Um, just, you know, I guess. Um, referrals, I guess, when, when Coach Morgan comes sniffing around Western Iowa. And, and by the way, there's not a better, there's, in my opinion, there's not a better uh, salesman for the state of Iowa than Reese Morgan and how he can oh. sell. Um, I, I was just actually talking to, you know, a coach from Omaha South who, you know, be, living in Nebraska, Husker fans, um, you know, Reese Morgan is still to this day you know, on the top of this guy's mind as being one of the best coaches and his track record also, also proves that. Sorry, sorry for the tangent, but no, uh, that's great. So I was recruited by uh, Reese Morgan and Reese saw something in me um, that, you know, some other schools didn't, I was uh, offered from, you know, the smaller South Dakota States, Northwest Missouri state, all the local places. Um, and, you know, I'd broken my leg and didn't have much film but that didn't matter to Reese. He, he liked what he saw, um, you know, in really hard to become an Iowa football player. And so I was able to prove that in other, um, through other sports and just um, recommendations from other coaches that I had played against. So he went on a limb, you know, and, and offered me, I was a gray shirt at the time. Um, Y'all know what a gray shirt is. It's, they say, Hey, Dom, we don't have enough scholarships at the time, but we're going to earmark you. You're going to start January one, with the following class, um, it didn't. It didn't. Um, it didn't work out that way because someone actually left the scholarship at open, and I started uh, with my recruiting class that fall in 2009. Okay. So, um, I guess moving from there, um, yeah. So the, the the schools that I was offered kind of touched on that, um, but yeah, started gray shirt to then uh, I guess regular shirt from a to a red shirt. Okay. I mean, that's cool though, that you brought up Reese Morgan. I feel like that it's a common theme on this podcast <laughs> that he, he comes up, I would say at least every other interview that he is just above and beyond one of the most talented coaches in the country at finding, especially at finding guys that are under recruited, finding diamonds in the rough. And, you know, just go hitting the road, going out and getting these guys. And I, 
you know, I think that as fan, a lot of the fans and myself, I always knew Reese was a great coach, but I never knew to that extent the right. genius of this guy and how he is able to find talent like he does. It's, I, you know, it's, it's nuts. Everybody that we talk to, his name comes up every time as a bit, a really influential guy in their life, their recruiting process and, and getting them to Iowa. So um, that's awesome that you brought him up because we're well, huge fans of his. Yeah. So this is a Nebraska Hawks nest podcast. And so I, I'd have to mention the fact that, you know, he comes out to Nebraska guys. If you, if you lived in Nebraska, you know, um, you know, Husker football is a religion, right? And so these young kids, I, I would I would be remiss to say that, you know, all of them probably want to play for Nebraska. So good luck, any other coach coming in uh, and, and convincing them otherwise. And so when I, when I have these conversations with these high school coaches, they speak volumes of Coach Morgan, right, who's been able to pull Seth Olson, Jeff Tarpinian, Nate Budgeta, Drew Watt, um, and there's, you know, Noah Fant, Right. Yeah. So all these guys who are very talented kids, um, you know, that probably might not have happened. Right. Um, yeah. Not been for Coach Ford. So. So, uh, yeah, not, not that throw Sharon. We're working on getting him on. Uh, I know he's officially retired, but I know he's still heavily involved. And I, I hope that guy sticks around the program forever, because I don't think that you can replace a guy like him. He's a. Uh, a once once in a lifetime coach. Absolutely. So I need to know, I've done a little research on you, sir. And it sounds like that singing oh. and theater were kind of big in your house growing up. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it was pretty influential. Your dad was big into it. Um, kind of spread across the family. Tell us about how that became such an important thing in the Elvis household. Um, growing up, we'd have, we'd have kids stay the night, you know, classmates. And they said, Dom, your house is literally the loudest house I have ever been in. Right. Cause, uh, you get woke up by my dad singing at the top of his lungs, uh, <laughs> making breakfast for everybody. And from there, it's just like birds waking up, you know, in the forest, everyone was just shouting and singing. And so my dad having a, having a, <laughs> he, so it, he was, he was a rock star you know, in high school and in part of college, he had his own band and then he wanted to be an opera singer. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, so maybe, maybe that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure maybe we have a, an opera following. I don't know. Mm. Um, so I doubt it. No, <laughs> well, awesome singer. And, um, you know, I have, I have three other siblings, all of which are far better singers than me. Lexi was on American Idol, um, you know, and there wasn't a, an award contest that my family didn't win, uh, you know, musically. Right. So me being the jock of the family and I'm the youngest of, of four, um, it was just always understood that, Hey, you're going to be a good athlete, but we're, we're going to make you well-rounded and you're going to do what your brothers and sisters who are also well-rounded. You're going to do exactly uh, what they did. And so you're going to be in musicals. You're going to sing and you're going to like it. And, <laughs> so, um, so, so my family is so musically oriented. My, my sister and my brother, Nate, and, and my sister, Lexi, is still producing um, albums. And uh, I'm just happy to get an, uh, an easy bit because it really helps on Saturday nights when uh, there's a live karaoke mic. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. uh, the liquid courage is flowing. Uh, so <laughs> it's a nice party trick. But yes, 
very musically inclined family. I've been in uh, the lead in, in, a, in a musical or two. And, and uh, uh, it's, yeah, I don't regret it. My, uh, my mom and dad were big into that. So kind of fun. It's cool. How exciting was that for your family that your sister was involved in that American Idol process? So I'm from a town of 1,200, right? Logan, Iowa. Yep. And uh, so the American Idol producers came to a town of 1,200 people to do an interview for my sister, Lexi. And, um, you know, that town, I, you know, everybody knows everybody. Uh, it was talk of the town for a couple of years, you know, because, uh, you know, not much else interesting happens. But, uh, no, I'm sure there does. There is. But, um yeah, that was that was just bonkers. That was huge. That is awesome. I mean, there's not too many people that can say that. And I don't know, you know, with you being musically inclined, I still have to tell you that with that show, my favorite part still is the first two weeks when the really terrible people get on there and sing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, we'll forever go down in history is the best, <laughs> worst. <laughs> oh, man. You know hey, what's, what's, Adam, what's that song? Uh, she Bang? I, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah, she bang, she bang. I I always watch it the first couple of weeks, and then once the really good people get on, I'm like, okay, um, right, I'm, I'm, yeah, tune it out. We've we've heard great people sing before. Yeah, yeah, uh, these bad people, and then they're like they're so like I don't I, ignorance a bad word to say, but like they're so blind to it. They just are like, what? You don't think I, I'm I'm the most talented person you've ever heard? You're an idiot. Like that's the best part about it. Like I freaking love that. I can't get enough of that. So yeah, I'm uh I'm all I'm all in every time that's on. All right, all right, Dom. I'm rolling in to Omaha on a Friday night, and we're gonna go out. We're gonna hang out with you being you know in Omaha now. Where are you taking me? What are we gonna do? So I live in the very hipster neighborhood of Benson. Uh, okay. It's a, you know, I'm sure you've heard of it. Yep. Uh, everybody drinks espresso and smokes thin cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually a really cool uh, revitalized part of town in Omaha. And it's got great bars and restaurants. We live walking distance to that. Um, and um, what, what's fun for my wife and I is, you know, I kind of mentioned it before we'd like to go have a few drinks, but there's a karaoke bar. And I'm sure like a lot of people listening to this, it is it is, a, is a rural person's dive bar's dream. Um, <laughs> it's called the Full House. Okay. Okay. Rarely is it full except on Friday nights and Saturday nights when they have karaoke. And, uh, you know, just to paint you a picture, there's, there's VFW war vets. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there's people from the 70s singing Fleetwood Mac. Okay. There's people singing Rihanna and Akon, <laughs> me uh, singing either Tenacious D songs or uh, Walking in Memphis is, right. a, uh, is a fan favorite. So all right, um, as long as you promise you can keep up, I'd introduce you, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to all my people over there at Kohl's Bar. Yeah, that that's so, funny yeah. that you said that because well, going to Omaha, Benson is one of my favorite places. I usually I'll go down to Beercade and have a few have a few drinks and play some pinball because. Like that's it's pretty nostalgic, and the oh, Benson Bre yeah. Benson Brewery's got some great food. I love eating there. There oh, they yeah. have some great food. Yeah. A lot of good yeah. bars. What's great your favorite team. place down there? What's your favorite place down there? We love so my wife and I. We we made it our mission to go to Oktoberfest 
uh, and then COVID had other uh, other plans. So we love the German, we love the German beer. We love the atmosphere of Bärchen. It's the it's a bar. It's got a great patio and and um, German food and, and 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 German beer. So if we can't go to Europe uh, again this this uh, September, you know, because happens in the, the month prior, we go to Bärchen to get that. Okay. Okay. See, I try to get my wife to go down there and she's like, I don't want to go to Benson. It's not safe down there. And I'm like, honey, it's different now. Like it's, listen, it's, it's cool. You just got to sport one of these <laughs> and you're good. Messes with you. Okay. <laughs> There's just so much cool stuff going on down there. It's just, it's got a great vibe. The people down there are very cool. It's just a lot of fun. I go, I've been to some concerts at the waiting room too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Live music's coming back. I, I went to a concert. The, saw the pork tornadoes. It's a very Midwestern band. Okay. <laughs> and uh, nothing like being sweaty, bumping into random people, drinking beer, shouting, you know, the same song that is just cathartic. Oh, I miss that so much. I can't wait. And, and now Benson's one of my favorite places. So this, I'm going to recommend something to you. This is, Come on down. Yeah. this is, this is kind of anti Midwestern. Okay. If you go to Benson, Benson brewery, try their, um, they're vegetarian wings. Okay. Ooh. They're actually really freaking good. Like once I had them, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I might get like killed for this, but I think they might be better than regular wings. They're phenomenal, man. So you got to try them out. Like they're, I I'm, I, I'm a buyer. I, I'm, I'm sold on. They're good. That's some of the best food ever. And they got great beer too. So very, very cool spot. Right. On. Um, I need to know a little bit more about a talent of yours that I think now I've had four of your teammates, former teammates, tell me, you got to get a hold of Dominic Alvis and talk to him. This He's awesome. I'm like, okay, absolutely. And they're like, this guy can do the best Kirk Ferentz impression that I've ever heard in my life. I was like, really? Okay. And so like, I heard it again. And then I heard it again. They're like, have you heard... Dominic Alvis do the Kirk Ferentz impression. I'm like, no, I have not, but I definitely need to hear this. So we wanted to go through some, <laughs> some, some exercises here with you. Um, we want, I, I want to hear you if, if you're willing to give us maybe two or three, even for as many as you're willing to do of some of Kirk's classic phrases that uh, you can recreate for us in his voice. And I've always uh, noticed Kirk likes to do the little finger point with two uh, finger point uh, like this when he talks. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. And uh, quick caveat, I love you coach. And I, I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, I'm nervous if I do it wrong, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's it'd be a strike against Kirk. Ferentz, so I got to nail this, but uh, you know, uh, sitting in the front row, um, just absorbing Kirk's Kirkisms for five years. It's really um, taken over my brain. And so me, amongst other people, we like to do these impressions. But, uh, you know, I'm even doing the finger motions right now, I think. <laughs> you are. So, <laughs> That's great. stolen Coach Ferentz's identity. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. You know, it's, it's bangle, bangle, bungle. Okay. You know, bump, bump, bump. Okay. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> You know, let's just say it's it's all copacetic at the end of the day, but uh, you, know, you just got to get your left hand inside. You know, it's that simple. So, oh, I love it. That's fantastic. So, I'm going to ask you a question right now, like, and put yourself in his shoes now. And like we said, you know, a coach, the imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Um, 
all players that love and respect their coaches. I think there's always a group that always like to do this and it's, it's fantastic. So, um, Coach Ferentz, just uh, run us down a little bit about Dominic Alves, the the player and the person. Tell us what what makes this guy tick. Okay, you know Dom, he's a guy. Okay, you know he had a broken leg. <laughs> Nobody wanted him. Okay, you know so uh, you know he came to Iowa. He saw Chris. You know he put about uh, you know fifty sixty pounds on the guy. <laughs> guy didn't have any lead in his pencil when he left Iowa. <laughs> that guy had some lead in his pencil. Okay. <laughs> You know, let's just say that. But, uh, you know, hell of a guy. Pretty good sing, you know. So, uh, yeah, good guy. That's great. The one thing I always, like, have caught that he says is when he's doing the finger point like that, he'll say, and um, not only is he, he's a better human being than, than a football player, first and foremost. That's what he <laughs> he always says that same line every single time. And it's it's great. So, I mean, you've been a coach anywhere for 23 seasons you're going to have some in the success that you've had and the respect, you know, that he's got over the years from all the guys that played for him. I mean, everybody just has nothing but complete 100% respect for Coach Ferentz and one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. So that that's awesome. So I want to know uh, when you came into Iowa and as you got to know Coach Ferentz, what was maybe something that you learned about him that surprised you a little bit that you didn't, necessarily know in the recruiting process yeah um you know coach Ferentz I guess the thing about him and and here's what I tell people is you see some coaches where they're different personalities right you're like you know is this guy the same guy that he appears when 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 the tv is on you know where I guess when he's when he's being interviewed etc and Adam I'm sure you've taken time to get to know coach Ferentz I would argue I, I knew everything up front. He is the, one of the most transparent people in that fact. And I tell people one of his greatest qualities is he's the same guy on the sideline um, as he is, you know, behind the scenes when he's, when he's working with us in team meetings. Um, so, uh, you know, that and the fact that he enjoys, uh, you know, uh, a cold beer every once in a while, St. Paulie's. So God bless him. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> He's a great guy and and uh, enjoys enjoys a few beers uh, just like everybody else. That's great. Um, my favorite quote of his all time was he was being interviewed after a big win and they said, "Coach Ferentz, what what do you like to do when you go home to celebrate a big victory when you get to relax and and just sit down at home?" And he said, "Well, uh, uh, my my favorite thing to do is to sit home and have." Uh, a bowl of Iowa's own Blue Bunny ice cream. It's absolutely <laughs> delicious. And I'm like, they couldn't have said a more Iowa thing right there. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you gotta be kidding Blue me. Bunny, you know? Uh, so, you know, another thing too is, um, and I, I don't know if the fans know this, but something they find interesting is is he's a, one of the most stoic humans, um, you know, that I, that I know. And, and it's intentional because he's not like that through every phase of his, uh, we see glimpses of when he's not. So um, w when you'll notice it is whether it's, you know, you know, the first game of the season or the last game for the big 10 championship, you, you probably notice, uh, you know, he's stoic, doesn't, doesn't really do anything out of the normal, yeah. except, you know, chew his bubble gum, maybe a little harder when, uh, you know, it's a must have fourth down, um, you know, and he's writing on his, on his paper. Um, so I, <laughs> 
I, I say this. So what's really cool as a player is you get to see that coach that puts on this face, you know, and, and, and the reason he does it is it's, you know, we, we never want to be too high, never too low. We have a game plan, stick to it, right? It starts with me and it works down, you know, down to the coaches, down to the players. It disseminates from there. And so that's his leadership style is we just keep a calm head. We're going to, we're going to do this, right? We're all in this together. But when it comes to the locker room after a big win, and he's leading us, you know, in the fight song. What's really cool is you get to see all those emotions that he was repressing just come out in a way yeah. that, that just you just you just feel so special because, you know, it's, it's a vulnerable moment for him where he just has everything locked up and then just lets it go. And it just makes you rally around the guy. Oh, I, I, I love it when when he does that. I'm just like I get choked up when I see that, too. I'm like. That's my freaking coach. That is our guy. Like yeah. I, I get fired up. I, you know, a guy that's going to be vulnerable, like you said, and show his emotion. Like after the Wisconsin win this year, he goes in the locker room and like was getting choked up. I'm like, you don't see that anymore. You don't see that side of coaches. And to have a guy that's that genuine to be able to show that to his teammates, I, I don't know. I freaking love that. It, it makes me, even as a fan, just that much more invested as him, in him as a coach and a, and a human. Yeah, exactly. That's it, it's awesome. Um, so we talked about this a little bit before we came on, and it's a little bit of a tradition on our Nebraska Hawks Nest podcast. We like to have you tell us. A funny behind the scenes locker room practice story with you and your teammates could be anything from like going out to the bar to an altercation in practice. We've heard about a lot of, you know, the offense versus the defense fights, face masks getting ripped off, people going at each other. You know, there, I told you there was a story about somebody putting their balls on the Heartland Trophy in Oxford, <laughs> Wisconsin last year. So, I mean, that's, that's my personal favorite, but um, <clears throat> just wanted to see. You know, what you had for us, Dom, because um, from talking to your teammates, you're an extremely well-liked guy and you were in the thick of all of it. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm filtering through my brain, uh, Adam, uh, what stories are appropriate, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think the beauty of it is not many of them are to probably <laughs> disclose. I, I don't know what the uh, you know statute of limitations is, you know, so I gotta just be careful with my words. You can leave uh, you can leave names out if you have to, but uh, just so you know, too, it's just me and you talking. Nobody's gonna see this. This is a private. <laughs> this is a private conversation. How many dozens of people are we talking here, Adam? Uh, no, I uh, just kidding. Um, so I, I got a story for you, um, and it, it involves kind of you know my personal story, but um, you know fans don't know this. But leading up to big games, must-win games, uh, you know, sometimes Iowa State games, right? Um, because there's there's not a bigger microscope on our team than if we beat each other. Sorry if you're an Iowa State fan. Uh, so very cool uh, for me raised in Western Iowa to participate in a game that is, you know, it is amongst Western Iowans, Iowa versus Iowa State. It is who gets bragging rights for a year. And it means, and it means more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get people pissed off. A lot of my friends. It means more when Iowa State wins, right? So there, yeah. it is. It is must win for me. It's, it's kind of like you play for Iowa. Uh, you know, if you, if you win, great. But if you don't, you're gonna have to hear about it. So leading up to that game, Kirk uh, would show, uh, you know, 
propaganda, anti-Iowa State propaganda. And um, when I say it that way, it sounds kind of bad, but thinking back on it, you're like, you know, you saw Sia the Cyclone tear down the goalposts and, and stomp on a, on, a, on a Hawkeye flag. You know, exactly. leading up every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'd be show these five minute, <laughs> five minute films to get you fired up. You know, like, hey, we're, you better beat these guys because look what look what they've done. You know, yeah. And um, the worst <laughs> video of all was on Thursday, right? Where it was just like, we gotta we gotta beat these guys before we travel on Friday. And this loudmouth, fat offensive lineman from Iowa State, red faced. In Iowa City, 2002, um, Brad Banks was playing. Um, you know, that's the year we went to the Orange Bowl, and Iowa State. It was a night game. Had just or had just beaten Iowa, and it was an on-field interview again with this big, ugly offensive lineman. And at one point, uh, you know, this 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 kid was a city high guy. I'm a city boy. And he says, as he's grabbing the microphone, I have never lose to Iowa. Correction, I will never lose to Iowa. And he gets like in, he gets in your face, you know, and you're just like, Jesus, man, turn it off. So, yeah, film roll, film cut. And then the, uh, you know, projector screen goes up, enter Kirk Ferentz, like, you know, this guy, you know, we're going to lose, we're going to lose to this guy, you know, (laughs) okay. So, uh, my first life after football, my first interview, uh, you know, I work for Stryker and it's, it's with this guy that I kind of like, I kind of might recognize this guy. And, uh, you know, this guy is, is, you know, is gracious enough to offer me a job. And I soon learned that the, the man who had just hired me was the person, was this obnoxious, fat Iowa I was the offensive lineman. Really? And I say that and I and I mean it in a most enduring way, Zach. It was Zach Butler. Um and um he was a center under Seneca Wallace. He was he was a captain for Iowa State. And uh I was like, oh my God, I have to tell him. So I told him this whole story about how essentially you are the key of program. And by the way, you're so I hope you if I tell you this story. And he says, Dom. He goes, I, I, I've had great respect for Coach Ferentz, but now that you told me that, I have even more respect, you know. So um, I don't know. I don't know if you find that interesting, but uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I have not changed my allegiances, by the way. Um, go Hawks! It's you know, it's just a job, I guess. You know. Yeah, you got to stay strong no matter what. <laughs> Living in Nebraska, it'll it'll either break you or it'll make you make you stronger and. I've chosen the stronger route myself. Absolutely, so. brother. Absolutely. Uh, um, during your time throughout your career um, as a student and as a football player, thinking back, what was the greatest thing about being a Hawkeye? Well, here's the deal. Um, when you talk to other people, I guess I've played in other programs. I guess what you could look at it is, you know, there, there's there's pluses and minuses with each program. Um, at Iowa, you're never going to have a school that challenge you, challenges you academically and as physically as we did. Um, and I think that it made me a warrior because I had to be right. I had to survive. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you weren't a warrior, if you weren't the, wanted to be the toughest guy in the room and show up every day and beat the guy across from you, you weren't going to make it, you know? And just just giving me that mindset 
right? It still carries with me today. Um, it still carries with my teammates today. And it's a fraternity of people that they, that they create. And it's not like this everywhere, but they, they create some of the, sorry, some of the most, some of the baddest ass dudes around, in my opinion. And yeah. a lot of them go, some of them go to the NFL. Some of them continue on, um, you know, the careers professionally, but in my company, it's, it's, you know, at an executive level, they hire, they hire Hawkeyes, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm a diehard Hawkeye fan and we have a, a Hawkeye themed show and, you know, social yeah. media podcast, but every guy that we interview, it's high integrity, high character. And, you know, I feel blessed and lucky to be able to talk to all of these former Hawkeyes and that it makes you proud to, to be a fan and to be a part of a program where they, they hold character in such high regard and only go after guys that are going to represent the program well while they're there and especially when they leave. So uh, that, that's, it's, it's a pretty great thing to have. Not many programs can say that. No. And I, I think I graduated with, you know, I think I was seven or eight guys and um, you know, something unique about Iowa in, in the, in the people, the way that they recruit, um, say what you will, the, the local guys, you know, around the state of Iowa, I graduated, I, you know, I, I'd probably be fact checked later, but I want to say there was like 10 guys in my graduating class that, that made it. And I want to say, you know, seven or eight of those guys were from the state of Iowa. Yeah. And how cool is that, that, you know, Iowa can have a winning program with local guys that they've homegrown and it's really hard. So a lot of people don't stick around. And if you don't want to stick around, I, Iowa doesn't want you, but what's cool is uh, I know that it's so hard that, uh, you know, and I, and I'm, 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 you know, I bought into this just like my other Iowa guys who are high character guys. Uh, we've made it. We have a fraternity now. We have a bond no one can touch. Um, but, you know, it just, you know, speaks to that, you know. That, that's great. And that's something that nobody and no one can ever take away from you. You know, you have that forever. Um, I need to officially, though, uh, we want to invite you this year and every year after, if you can make it to the the Heroes game in Lincoln, it's not too far of a drive from where you're at. We're having a big Nebraska Hawks Nest tailgate, and we would be honored if you joined us and had a few beers with us before the game. Right on, man. I'm in. All right. We'll have to, we'll see if you're available because it's, you know, the day after Thanksgiving can be tough for people. And right. so sometimes people aren't able to make it, but if you're able to swing over, man, we'd love to have you. Hell yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you, man, for, you know, taking time out of your day and out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot going on for, you know, letting us know how, what you're up to now, how life is going in Omaha. And, you know, we just want, we want to thank you for, being such a great representative of the program and for you know, all the, all the time you spent as a Hawkeye. Adam, thanks for having me on. Um, this is a great platform that you have. Um, I'm biased as well. I think, I think that it's a red state. We need to, we need to turn a little more black and gold. So, you know, I'll, I'll be doing my part. You'll be doing your part uh, oh, yeah. together, man. We're working on it. And I think we're gaining steam every single day. Just got to keep believing and spreading the Hawkeye gospel every day. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. All right, Dom. Go Hawks, man. Thanks a lot. Go Hawks, Adam.